Next time on a very spooky fine dining podcast, the season one finale, TGI Fridays the 13th. Oh, you betcha. Pineapple's gonna hit the fan as Michael's son, Juicy, or in this episode, Juice son, Voorhees, <laughs> goes on a murderous rampage and no one is safe. It gets real spooky, it gets real bloody, and not everyone's gonna make it to the end of the episode. Who will live, who will die? Listen to Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, break down a trip to TGI Fridays based on the atmosphere, the service, and the food, and try not to be scared to death. Hear the thrilling finale of Fine Dining, Wednesday, October 25th, wherever you get your podcasts. my right to choose to say what I think even if I don't I'm Harriet Langley Swindon and this is Non-Censored Hello and welcome to the show these are the best bits of my radio show this week all packaged up for you in a lovely metaphorical bow but first we're going to start with a bit of news now this is very exciting isn't it Martin the London Podcast Festival doesn't just take anyone you know it just takes the top two or three hundred who are available to perform and we have been invited to do a live recording on the 10th of September so get your tickets, listeners, at kingsplace.co.uk. Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting. Do come on down. We look forward to seeing you there. <laughs> You'll be there, Martin. I'll be there. Ishan Akbar yes. will be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll have such fun. So now, as ever, there was so much we couldn't fit in to the show. Um, we had, in light of Bernie Eccleston saying he would take a bullet for Vladimir Putin, we asked... What controversial person would you take a bullet for? I said Pinochet. Um, he was actually surprisingly cuddly and mild in his later years. And, sorry, who did you say you'd like to take a bullet for, Producer Martin? Uh, well, if, if pushed to it, I, I think I'd uh, I'd have to go for Paddington. Paddington yes. Bear. Yes, I remember now. You, you, you didn't say your kids. But, I mean, they're not controversial people, but, uh, yes, I suppose. We also, we, I mean, it was quite a week. We had a, a great section, which luckily is going to be in the podcast, where Jelaine Maxwell's good friend came in to insist that although Jelaine may be guilty of sex trafficking, she was very fun at Oxford. I mean, I can't wait for you all to hear this. <laughs> uh, we did actually, uh, we did have to cut that from the podcast, what? actually. Um, yeah, Why? yeah uh, it's something to do with the, the tapes being compromised. Oh, what um, a shame. <clears throat> Sometimes we're just at the mercy of, of, of the cutting room floor, aren't we? That's absolutely technology. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not what it used to be. That's, that's a fact. But first, we've been hearing a lot from America this week. And to start off, we had junior senior assistant to the deputy chief of staff to Donald Trump's assistant chief of staff, Dwayne Sponge. He came in to talk about his book, Psychopath. 2,190 days watching the worst man in the world. Why did you turn on your friend? I, I don't think uh, uh, we, we're talking about uh, betraying Donald Trump. As I say in my book, I think we're talking about saving America. Right, saving America. 
but you're saving not saving America. But 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 Trump. I mean, Trump did a lot for America, didn't he? He brought a lot no, of people no, together. I mean, you you no, yourself it, worked for him for many years. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like I say in 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 the chapter of my book, um, Donald Trump, M dash, not entirely a good guy? Question mark. The closer you get to Donald Trump, the more you see the man underneath the charm, the man underneath the intellect. This is a man with a lot of anger. I have seen, I have seen, I have seen food thrown. I have seen uh, pizza thrown, vegetables, uh, fruit, uh, a, an entire cheese plate. She, any any kind of cheese you can you can think of. It's on Brie? the wall. Brie is on the wall. Camembert. He threw it. Stilton. All of it gone, gone. It's in. It's on. A, it's at the window. Goat's cheese. Goats, no. No. I tell a lie. No, he did throw goat. Yes, yes. Goats, cheese. What I'm trying to tell you is that he creates a working environment for a, 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 a man of integrity. It, it's very difficult. It was a very difficult time for me. And, and, uh, and I've managed to distill that and, and it's all in the book. Out of interest, I mean, do you get Wensleydale over there in the States? Is that something that happens? Uh, never, never met, never met the man. Sorry, no, I, I'm not familiar okay. with um, okay. with many British politicians. Just having to to answer the the questions, I know that my listeners are going to be wanting to hear. Um, what did you think as the events unfolded on January the sixth? What was going through your mind? I I would say um, it was uh, it was not a great day. Mm. It was not a great day for 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 any of us. Um, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of Shouting the the carpet thick, thick with cheese. By that point, and I think America is owed an apology by everyone who worked for Donald Trump, including yourself. Apart, allow me to finish. Apart from me, right? That's why I wrote the book. I see. No, I think sometimes a book is better in lieu of an apology. Mm, yep. If if you feel that you're owed an apology, I, I can only. Suggest that you read the book. So, sorry, but, but, I'm sorry. Uh, just... Sorry, can I can I just jump in here, Harriet, I, I, Mr. Sponge? Thank you so much for coming on the show, and, and, thank and you I think I speak for, for everyone when I say that there's there's no excuse for a, a food fight. But but, but, but thank you, you you worked with him for seven years, and and you've seven years you've just just now decided that it's too much, which coincided with you releasing your book. Is that is that correct? Yes. My, my my father, he's a smart man. He, he always said that um, that the measure of a man is is the ability to to draw a line in the sand and say this far, and no further. And for me, that line came the, the very moment it became personally embarrassing for me to be associated with the president. That's very moving. That's very moving, Thank actually. You. Thank you. Because I, I I've always been a great fan of Trump. I mean, I know he's controversial, but no, he's just a charismatic, fun guy. But it does sound like there was a, another side to him that was cheesy and not there in the good way. There is a dark way. side to the fun. Mm. There is a there is a dark side to the fun side. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we uh, we had we had some great laughs. Um, one time, one time he, he well uh, he kicked a dog, but um, it's not. It was the I think the dog saw the funny side as well. Right. Um, but as as it went on, and the kicking continued, I feel like um, 
the, the joke began to wear thin. Yes, I think kicking a dog only only is only funny for about four times, isn't it? I agree. It, it, ideally, whoa, it should whoa, whoa. be an sorry, even sorry, can I just, uh, just I beg your sorry, pardon. Sorry, sorry, can I ju- just jump in here? I, can I just check when when the the dog kicking took place? I I, I, I don't recall the exact uh, date. It, it would have been um, uh, late uh, late twenty sixteen. And and you just you continued to work with him, even though he, he kicked a dog. And I can't believe that. I I mean, was it could could it be said? Uh, that perhaps you hadn't written a book at that point and therefore it wasn't particularly useful for you to to stop laughing at the dog kicking and, and, and to continue working with him um what, what i would say is when when you when you kick a dog the, the creature I don't kick describes a... an uh, when you when martin please allow me to finish well okay when when you kick a dog it describes an arc in the air while it's at the 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 top of that that parabola we're all laughing it's all smiles but eventually the dog has to come down and for me that's what happened on january 6th not literally the actual dog came down way faster that was the moment that was the moment for you it sounds like yeah it wasn't like in the the air for three years or something that would be weird Dwayne, it's been a pleasure thank you very much for coming on the show harriet as i say in my book psychopath 2,190 days watching The Worst Man in the World. Thanks for having me on the show. Did you go to Glastonbury, Martin? I didn't see you at all over the weekend. (laughs) Well, I I had tickets, I can tell you that much. Uh, Hired a camper van, head off down towards the festival site, and uh, it it actually broke down on the A303. Um, We missed Paul McCartney, which is what I was really looking forward to seeing, and... uh, uh, it was, you know, started started raining where I was, but um, but it was it was a great atmosphere anyway. So, <laughs> you know, quite a busy weekend for sure. Lovely. Well, we had Ishan Akbar back in the studio for a fascinating, nuanced look at whether Glastonbury is woke. In our feature, is it woke? Today on Is It Woke, we're discussing Glastonbury. Ishan, let's start with you. The whitest, most expensive festival in the world completely excludes any ethnic minorities. Uh, They had Jay-Z one year. They had him one year, but the people who go to watch are basically white people who like Jay-Z. And people keep saying, oh, why are there no ethnic minorities at these festivals? Why are there no ethnic minorities? We don't want to be there. We quite like showers. We quite like clean toilets. We introduce sewage systems to the West. We quite like them, thank you very much. The thought of being surrounded by faecal matter and urine for five, six days, and that from the genitals of white people. Ishan, I'm going to have to stop you here, because this isn't white people. These are, these are hippies. That's different. That's its own minority. Yeah, hippies are like rich white people, aren't they? Frankly, hippies are all the rich white people who can afford to go to something like Glastonbury, which is in the arse end of nowhere for a start. I don't even know where Glastonbury is. Never done a gig. Um, it's a, in a field off the N1, I think. A field off the M1? Yes. Look, ultimately, the point is this. Glastonbury is not for my people and my adjacent people, i.e. black people. You guys go and have your but little I fun. I thought you liked tents. 
That's the thing. You think we do, but we don't. See, the thing is, you insist on fetishizing poverty and having this refugee experience by going to a field and setting up camp and having horrible sanitary conditions. But you break the suffering of being a refugee for a week by having some bang average music playing. I mean, for goodness sake, Paul McCartney's 80 years old. Give him a rest. Ishan, do you want... quite like Paul McCartney. Yeah, of course you do, producer Martin. Anything that's a bit slow and drawling. Ugh, sure. So, Ishan, can can I... Oh, sorry, Martin. Well, I, I was I was just going to say that um, I, I think usually in, in this section um, the term woke is is a sort of a synonym for for bad, and I I'm, I I don't believe that Glastonbury's bad at all. I mean, absolutely it, it, awful. Of course you wouldn't. There's... You'd love it. Of course you'd love it. You get to go to a field off the M1, and then you get to don the clothes that refugees have to wear out of necessity, but you wear out of fun, and you pay for the privilege, and you set up a little tent, and you go there like, oh, look at look at me enjoying the music, producer master. Of course you I've, enjoy it. I've got... I've got to say as well, Ishan, I'm, you know, I, you're absolutely entitled to your opinion, but um, the fact that you think of it, it's not. Thank you for giving me permission, producer Martin. People of color is, is, um, I, I think, a misread of the situation. You'll never see more um, uh, traditional Asian dress, uh, mainly worn by young white women. But I mean, look, we're talking about a a place where, um, you know, Paul McCartney. 80 years old on stage and and then the just the night before Billie Eilish the the youngest headliner on on there as well I mean what a what a wonderful testament to uh you know young white I mean, music. both white but yeah both white and um, but did I white, did I mention yeah. that Jay-Z did play at Glastonbury well Ke- Kendrick Lamar was on this year I've yeah, got a list we've got okay, um, look, Diana it's Diana lovely. Ross look, she she performs lovely uh, no, it Noel Gallagher lovely. maybe Ethan, I'm going to play I'm going to play devil's white, advocate northern, so. but maybe it's a safe space for white people to listen to to music of color because often you you're listening to Jay-Z you're singing out the lyrics and there's someone just glaring at you and this allows a safe space where you can all be white and enjoy black music. And you know what, Harriet? I'm on your... Absolutely. I agree. It should remain for you. No one needs to expect black and Asian people to attend. We don't want to go to the festival. Unless they're going to sing for us. Uh, Well, you pay them handsomely, of course. I I feel like this would make me feel a bit awkward if it was just, just them on stage and not... The but that—that's exactly but what by them. I mean, you know, pe- people, people. Who was the last Asian headliner? Out of curiosity, I think this is one for Martin. Um, the uh, I, I think the Martin. Uh, you really the, should have the... these facts to hand. Who yes, was the last sorry, Asian headliner? Asian headliner. Um, Cooler Shaker headlines the other stage at one. Wait, sorry, did you just say? I'm. I'm not going to even dignify that with a comment. Well, so let's round up. Ishan, Glastonbury, is it woke? Of course it's not woke. And I just want everybody to make themselves feel comfortable that black and brown people do not wish to attend the Glastonbury Festival. Lovely. And uh, producer Martin, Glastonbury, is it woke? Well, I, I'm a little confused because Ishan seems to be telling us that it's, it's a bad place, but then he's saying it's not woke. And that usually when he's angry at something, it's because it's woke. So I, 
I mean, I, I think it's nice. That's not I, true, I Martin. You can't just willy-nilly well, throw oh, out some dear. accusations. I didn't mean to do it. Martin, I was asking you your opinion. It not not yes. Ishant. I yes. I I I think it is. I think it's woke. It's it's uh, open to an accepting and uh, long may it continue. I think it's woke because um, people don't live in houses there. So there we go. This one stay in. We took out the wonderful, wonderful Jelaine Maxwell bit with her friend talking about all the fun things she did, and we kept yeah. in this next section. Well, you are such a fan of our culture sectory. Um, I thought it would be rude not to to have her involved in this week's podcast. <laughs> right, fair enough. I mean, it's just I don't like to deal in gossip. No, I, I've heard. <laughs> Sorry, what? I said, I said, I've heard because it's a little like a sort of gossip sort of joke. Martin, you know, I don't like it when you do jokes. I don't like to deal in gossip, but we had to address the rumours about the Prime Minister and Carrie. Uh, I I advise not looking it up or or Googling it. I certainly don't don't buy the most recent issue of Private Eye or don't buy (laughs) Private Eye. First edition of the Times. There was only one person we could not talk about this with, and it was, of course. My dear friend and, uh, should I say, inspiration, Nadine Dorries. So, Nadine, I mean, it's really quite a non-story. I really think because it's such a non-story, we, we need to devote the next five minutes talking about why it's such a non-story. And this is the, the non-story that, that apparently an MP walked in on, on Carrie giving the Prime Minister... Uh, um, you, you know, you know what in 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 the office. Um, oh goodness! Now, obviously, me, yes. it's, a, it's a non-story, but I yes, did want I, to talk I, to you about it. I mean, mm. is this was this a, a, a wooing technique? Was it just wooing? You know, wooing in the office. Uh, first of all, what I'll say is um, she'll never be me. Second thing I'm going to say is uh, this is something that happens in offices, and if you would like that to happen in your office, maybe um, put in some steps to make that happen and stop being so jealous of the Prime Minister because he's a very good Prime Minister. Could you elaborate on what steps our listeners could take? Yes. So, for example, if your office doesn't have a sofa in it, put one in. If it would be hard to get one through the door... Maybe try and get a new office. That's not my problem. If you don't have a mini bar in your office, just get one. Uh, there's no rules as to when you start. It's not a pub. You know, it's your office. And um, just start on the mini bar whenever you like. That's just, and it can, it can create wonderful atmosphere for love, erotica, and work. Um, also, Nadine, this is just something I observed. Now, Dominic Raab got in trouble in, in Prime Minister's Questions uh, because he winked at Angela Rayner. Now, I don't know about you, but I I sensed a bit of sort of sexual tension. I thought it was a rather sexy wink. And actually, you know, obviously Angela Rayner does very provocative things like wear, wear skirts. Yes, so, she has legs. Yes, she's got legs. I mean... He was flirting with a wink. She was flirting by having legs. I mean, is there something going on there, do we think? Well, what I will say about that is she should be so lucky. I saw her on Twitter 
uh, trying to say, oh, I actually didn't like the wink. Well, all I will say to that is, me thinks the lady does protest a lot. Just take the compliment, love. You know, he's not actually interested. He's not. He he couldn't be. He's not. Yes, you're right. Just take the compliment. Take the compliment. I feel... Like this is um, something that I, I can chip in with here because I uh, actually got into a bit of a bit of hot water myself for um, for winking at people, um, thinking it was just a perfectly normal thing to do. But when I was running the cake stall at the uh, the PTA meeting just uh, last month, you know the, the, the cakes were selling so quickly, I didn't have time to thank everyone for buying, and uh, I started just handing out winks instead. Give, give a little wink. Thanks for coming on. Thanks and. Um, Got, got reported mm. and asked to... Problem is, Martin, sorry, you don't have the charm me. of Dominic Raab. You don't. So it just looks creepy. Anyway, um, Nadine, let's move on. Now, a lot of people have jumped on you this week. I thought it was very unfair, as apparently you didn't understand the difference between rugby league and rugby union. What do you say to this? Is it just people not understanding sport in the way that you do? It's an attack on me as the cultural sport mm. lady, actually, to, to just suddenly decide that people in towns such as Huddersfield, do they honestly care what the difference between rugby league and rugby union is? No, I don't think so. That's a very London-centric Islington woke cuck thing to say, and it was yes. all the Islington elite going after me. So, Nadine, I mean, we're, we're on the subject of sport, which, of course, you are an expert on. Um, yes. Now, you also got in a bit of hot water because you you wrote in the Mail on Sunday that British sporting bodies must follow swimming's lead and ensure women's sport is reserved for people born of the female sex. Now, a lot of people, a lot of wokey people, I have to say, are getting very, very upset about this. Very upset about this. I, what would you like to say to them now? OK, well, I'm glad you asked because I think... It is very clear that there is a huge problem in women's sports. Let's look at the evidence. At the last Olympics, which was only last year, and it's got a lot worse since then, there wasn't one event that wasn't won by a trans woman. Take it from me, that happened. And now you have things like women in cycling having to cycle against a different woman in cycling. I don't think it's right. I also think they should ban tall swimmers just to be safe. Only swimmers under five foot four can compete. And that's true for the men too, just to be safe. That's a really good point, Nadine, because I think sometimes there has been a bit of confusion. So the best the best thing to do is to just get rid of any women you're not sure about. The tall women, the strong yes. women, the women that just look a bit a bit, you know, a bit difficult. Yes, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Do, do, Always you, do you not think sorry, sorry to be a bit of an antagonist here but do you not think Nadine that uh, if we if we start measuring people um before they're allowed to get involved in sport that might lead to some uh some 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 uh less than ideal scenarios down the line uh no I disagree I, no fair enough fair enough yeah. Martin well, you can't well argue well. with science or women yes or the culture secretary no, it's just that there there have been a, a, a dozen or so reports, investigations that have, that have sort of proven that um, that uh, trans women um, rarely actually retain any physical advantage over their um, their, their counterparts. So no, I'm afraid Martin, that's not right. Th- no, I, no, yeah, Martin, you I mean, can't sure, come in I, here with these facts. It's very, it's very distracting. I, mm-hmm. 
I understand. Did you read yeah. it in a report? I'm Did sorry. you read it written down by an expert? Then how can we trust it? You can't trust experts, experts anymore, are... Martin. Um, well, yeah. always a pleasure. Culture Secretary, thank you very much. Thanks, bye. Now, our guest this week was activist, author, lawyer and political commentator Dr Shola Moz Shogbimimu. We talked about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which we are both very much against, but I had some very clever points that Dr Shola felt threatened by. Let's take a listen. Dr Shola, welcome to the show. Thank you, Harriet. Uh, now, people may know you as someone who makes various white people feel bad and you're a, a known persecutor of Piers Morgan. But today we are talking about the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade, which was in the news very recently. Now, look, I'm going to put it out there. I support women's rights to abortion. But is there an argument to be made that this issue is returning to the states where it can be decided electorally? So, Shola, is this, is this a more democratic way of, of dealing with this issue, perhaps? No. And, Harry, can uh, I just stop you there? You can't start with, you know, I support women's rights, but there's no but. There's no exception. You either support it or you don't. And when you ask about whether or not this is an issue that should be put to the states and an electoral decision made, let me just say this, Harriet, as one woman to another, my right to liberty, my right to body autonomy is not up for discussion or debate. So no, this is not an electoral issue. The whole point of having a constitution, the whole point of having very clear laws that set, that set clearly our human rights is so that we don't have to be having dumb discussions. We don't have to be having discussions that would divide us. A woman's body autonomy, that's her right. It doesn't get to be debated, period. But, I mean, yes, I agree with you in principle, but this whole, I can't be a feminist, but, uh, you, you have to admit that a lot of feminists are, are quite irritating, you know? Like some some of these some of these women, I mean, I'm pro choice. I'm pro the freedom of women to choose not to, you know, pull down their knickers whenever they want. I'm pro the freedom of women to choose to discipline their womb to say no to the potent man seed that comes its way. You know, we we are powerful creatures, us women, and we can. You know, some people argue this isn't this isn't proven, and I'm not a doctor, but some people argue that you can control the intake of semen. Right. And this is Now, I mean, that's sometimes what I do with my husband. I can turn it off like a tap. Of course you can. You're you must be very excellent in biology. Clearly you Thank stood you. still in every single biology class and you got an A+ because right now what you just say makes no sense. That is not how biology works. We don't get to control, you know, the amount of semen that comes into us. I mean, I suppose we could do it if we cut off his dick. We could yes, do that. Yes, that is, that is one, that is one thing you could do. Right, just cut off the head of the snake, head of the penis, out the window. Shut. Well, shall I? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think we necessarily had to go into the intricacies well, of, of the male should. penis. I think, down. I think we should, Harriet. You're the one that's brought up this hypothesis. No. Very well. So let's go down that rabbit hole, right? And find a permanent solution to this problem, okay? So if the issue is that women should be able to control semen intake, control the men that they sleep with, or maybe they get raped by, 
then I'm saying that maybe we should find a mechanism in which the amount of control or the, 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 the tool of control is that we cut off the head of the snake. Yes? Cut off the head of the snake? Are you still talking about penises? Absolutely. I think you need to take a step back, get back into biology class, do some reading, educate yourself, and then come back to me. Then we can have an intelligent adult conversation. Uh, Sheila, I do educate myself and I do read. I read the Daily Mail every day. And I also read some absolutely wonderful blogs by some very passionate young men who feel very strongly about this issue. So I I take issue with the fact that you you're you're sort of a, suggesting that I don't read up. I'm very I know I know my stuff. You've just given us very credible sources and which only goes to show how um legitimate your lack of understanding is. Right. Maybe after this I can send you some sources to read. Yeah, talk to more women. You know you can you can send them me the sources and I'll look at them and I think really I'll be able to tell from the title that you sent me of whether I agree with it or not. I don't think I'll actually have to go into the whole article because it's always very tedious. You know where it's going, isn't it? Just sort of makes you feel bad. But so you know, by all means do. You're very, so you're telling me you're more into clickbait headlines? You don't have the time to read through content? I, I'm, I'm a very busy woman. You don't have the time to apply any deductive reasoning. What the heck am I doing on the show? I thought we were going to have an intelligent conversation. Well, we are having an intelligent conversation. No, no, no. Intelligence is not in the, it's only one part. And I think it's coming from me. Uh, right. Listen, I'm just trying to say that this is a nuanced issue and there are other things in play. I mean, we were talking about uh, why shouldn't states, for example, why shouldn't their elected officials decide who does and doesn't have their period track app hacked? Come again? Everyone's getting very upset, saying, oh, you can't hack the period apps to sort of see when women are pregnant or whatever. But they're putting that information out there. When I said come again, that's not because I didn't understand you the first time. I wanted to give you the time to pause and, um, I don't know, apply some thought process to what just came out of your mouth. And then you proceeded to say it again and even expand on the entire nonsense that you're talking about. I mean, why would you want anyone to hack into anything that's personal to you? Why are we having this conversation? Well, I wouldn't put anything personal out there. So, oh, so, so it happened to me. So it's our fault then. I, I think you need to totally remove the statement, I support women's rights. For I, do support women. I do support women's no, rights. I support women's rights. I just think they should, you know, just be sort of man up about it. M- man up about yeah. it? There are just there are diff- different ways of doing things. And I think also, I mean, if we, you know, talking, I, I realised there, I slightly, uh, what's the word, triggered you by by saying man up. But, but you know, I do think the problem is, is that there's been so much kind of these liberals worried about misgendering fetuses that they were never able to engage with the idea of personhood. I mean, what is a person? Well, if you erase the concept of a man and erase the concept of a woman, then what is left? Nothing, you know. So is it any wonder that the issue of pregnancy has been trivialised, you know, that the Supreme Court decides to reverse abortion rights on on national take-your-dog-to-work day? Who's talking about misgendering fetuses? A lot of people on Twitter. No, no, at the fetus stage, nobody knows the sex. So nobody's talking about misgendering. And you're trying to trivialize a serious issue 
about women having body autonomy, which is a human right. Abortion rights is healthcare. That's a human right. I mean, really, you don't even need to have GCSEs to be able to compute and understand this basic fact. One girl today, are we having this conversation, Harriet? I, I don't know. What, I don't know why you're getting so upset. I, I'm just, I'm just I'm putting out some thoughts yet. there. No, no, I'm not upset yet. I'll, I'll tell you. One of the things that deeply irritates me, right, about conversations like this, is when people waste my God-given brain cells on conversations that shows they have not an inkling, not you know, an iota of intelligence, intellect, and they're wasting my time at the ABC. Dore me one, two, three level when I'm out there trying to deal with real issues on the front line. So I'm sorry, Harriet. I need you to have done your homework before you come into a conversation with someone like me. That's what I'm saying. This is not about misgendering fetuses. This is about the fact that the Supreme Court has taken away the rights of women. And by making it something subject to debate, they are dehumanizing women. Look, Shola, it, it's one thing to be correct in the real world, but if you don't win the argument on a, a podcast listened worldwide, then does it really matter? Harriet, I don't think the world even knows you exist. And the point here is not about this being debatable. My right to an abortion is not up for debate. And it's not about winning it on this little thing you call a podcast. Sorry. It's you understanding, no, 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 apology not accepted. It's you understanding that women have right to body autonomy and no courts on God-given earth should be able to take that away from them. No electorate on God's given earth should be able to take that away from them. And sure as heck, no national podcast on God's given earth needs to debate a serious issue like that. So please get off your, I don't no, know. But sorry, no, sorry, Dr. Shella, but no, you can't say things are not up for debate. You're going to put Jeremy Vine out of business with talk like that. You can't, you can't go around saying these very controversial things. It's just not on. This is a democracy. If you want to know what Jeremy thinks, you bring him on on your national podcast. And let's see what he asks. That's not the point. The point here is that anything to do with our lives and liberty isn't debatable. I respect another woman's right not to have an abortion. Respect it. But under no circumstances does she have the right to determine for me or any other woman that we can't do it under any grounds. And the reason why we should all care about Roe v. Wade, we may be in the UK, you may be in India, you may be in a totally different continent. The reality is that the United States is seen as the leader. It's seen as the most um, democratic of, of, of societies in the world. And this most democratic society has regressed back to the dark ages. What we do not want is any other society thinking this is okay to do. That's what we're talking about oh, here. But it's not going to happen over here, is it? I mean, come on. And, right. you know, like, you know, it's so, so what I think Nadine Dorries, yes, she, she sort of voted against uh, abortion rights. But, you know, that's just, that's just her as a woman expressing her rights. Well, rights of all women, isn't it? Woman, yeah. So, Harriet, any woman that has expressed a right for pro-life has a right to do so. What she does not have the right to do is to decide for me or decide for you or any other woman. Actually, sorry, Dr. Shirley, can I, sorry, can I stop you there? Because actually, sometimes when I go for dinner with my husband, Jonathan, 
he tells me what to order. Now, sometimes, because he knows he knows what my body likes, sometimes he gets it wrong. He forgets that I'm allergic to fish and then I have an unfortunate couple of days. But at the end of the day, I go, well, you know, he made, he made a decision and maybe it hasn't, it's, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the loo, but I have lost some weight. Harriet, so actually, maybe he Harriet, didn't know best. Harriet, in the name of all that is good, are you telling me you've just given me an analogy of your husband choosing your dinner and comparing that to women having the right to determine what they want to do with their bodies? What the heck's wrong with you? I love analogy. I love a good analogy. I think it really yeah, no, but that's the point. Analogy. That makes no sense. It trivializes the issue. I swear to God, you really no, I, I, take, I take dinners with my husband very seriously. I don't think I'm trivializing what? it at all. I, I, think, I think that's, you know, if anything, if anything, I'm sort of bringing, I'm, um, what's the word? What's the empathizing? No, I'm empathizing with you by bringing you into my world. No, no, but the, that's not em- empathy. I think the more, yeah, I think I know what empathy word, is. I think the more appropriate word is stupidity. It's absolutely obtuse that's to rude. give an analogy that disrespects the seriousness of what women are experiencing and going through and comparing that to eating dinner with your husband. Should you wish for your husband to choose what toilet roll you wipe your ass with, that's your choice. We're talking Thank about you. women being denied the autonomy of their own bodies. That is so far more serious. Think about it for a second, Harriet, and I'm just going to put it out there. The so-called, I support women's rights, but these butters are the very people who will not feed the child, clothe the child, you know, shelter the child. These hypocrites will point fingers at this child, marginalize the child, reject the child, and blame the mothers for the child. So you want to talk okay, about... Well, okay, playing devil's advocate. Playing devil's advocate. Isn't that what you've been doing all day? No? Oh, okay. You mean Maybe. that's real? That's real you have? Lord have no, mercy. There's no, there's no need for that. I'm just, I'm just putting some questions out if maybe, maybe, and I, I agree with you, it's awful that uh, that poor people will be um, affected, but maybe they could earn more money. Harriet, They could maybe, earn more money and maybe. then provide for the child. Everyone's happy. Except the woman who's been forced to go through a pregnancy she neither wants and she's not ready for. And... Forced? You're saying that she should earn more money? No, actually. Why don't you, but, you, we support women's rights, but why don't you strive to provide healthcare, national healthcare, provide national daycare, so that all of the kind of practical issues that require money can be provided for, for the mother and for the child. That's what you should be doing. And we're talking about a society that is systemically set up against the poor and you want to you want to stop the poor woman or and i'm not just talking about financially any woman in any situation that decides that this is not the right thing for me you want to stop her from exercising her right from exercising her liberty and her life the way she chooses to and then you have the utter audacity to say that it's her fault because she's not earning more money you need to wash your mouth out with soap well, I don't think anyone said that to me before. I think Jonathan There's said it once when you were doing some, you know, sort of dirty talk. But apart from that, mm. uh, All right. Dr. Sheila, um, it's wonderful to have debated with you today. I'm glad to say I, I think I won the debate. 
but it was still, it was a pleasure and thank you for engaging and better luck next time. Thank you, Harry. Well, that's another week's episode done. Please, please, please give us a subscribe. Write a little review. They can write a review, can't they, Martin? They can. They can write, I liked it. Why don't you like it too? Or something to that effect. Say love. Don't forget, five stars. Oh, love is always a nice thing to say as well. It's very helpful when you put these things up. It helps people find it. uh, And more people should find this because it's frankly brilliant. And also, I read all of the reviews. So, uh, you know, whatever you say, <laughs> I'll, I'll be seeing it. All right. And I, I'm very easily hurt. Very easily. Thanks to Rosie Holt, Brendan Murphy, Ed Morrish, Alistair Beckett King, Suze Kempner, Ishan Akbar, and special guest, Dr. Shola Moz Shogbamimu. Until next week, I'm Harriet Langley Swindon, and this has been Nonsensed. Nonsensed. <laughs>